Sober in the city, real life, real addiction, real recovery. Call in now from all over the USA, 1-800-SOBER-05. Welcome back. Here's your on-air sponsor, Debbie Strand. This is Sober in the City, brought to you by Believe Treatment Center. Believe Treatment Center understands and treats all forms of addiction. Call now, 1-855-874-2354, or visit believetreatmentcenter.com. Advisors are standing by to tell you how they can help and how your insurance can pay for it. I'm Debbie Strand with Sober in the City, here to tell you about how I got sober and how I'm maintaining my sobriety one day at a time. We're also talking about life issues. We all have them. Whether you're in recovery or not, maybe you want to be, maybe you should be. Maybe you just found out that you have some serious health issues. We all have life issues and we all still deal with this life one day at a time. Call us 800-SOBER-05. Tell me what you're going through, how you're staying sober. Maybe you didn't stay sober through the weekend. Call me 800-SOBER-05 and visit us at SoberInTheCity.com and listen live on the Sober in the City app for Apple Android devices. And if you or someone you love needs to get in a detox, rehab, needs an intervention, call me 800-SOBER-05. I am here to help. This show is going to be about honesty. My life needs to be about honesty. For me, if I don't stay honest and if I'm going to be able to stay sober, it's not going to work. The two are not going to stay together. The literature I follow says to stay sober, there's three key essentials. Simply, willingness, open-mindedness, and honesty. In early recovery, and what I see others in early recovery do, is go to what we call cash register honesty, meaning they don't steal money, or if someone was to give them too much change, they give it back. The honesty that I'm talking about runs so much deeper than that. It's not just telling lies to each other either. It's having to learn to be honest with myself. And that was one of the hardest things that I've had to learn to do in recovery because I can rationalize and justify my actions without even knowing that I'm doing it. It's like one side of my brain is making something up and the other side is buying it. So that became very confusing for me and I had to learn how to do that. But the more practice and self-awareness and self-honesty that I have, the more that that honesty has become a working part of my life and it comes pretty naturally now. I pretty much know when I'm getting ready to screw something up. So on this show, we're going to talk about how did you start to become honest with others, with yourself? How does blatant honesty hurt others? And how can you be honest in all your affairs? We're going to go to Sean is on the line. Sean is from New York, but I believe he's out in L.A. Sean, what are you doing in L.A.? Oh, just uh, on a job. And uh, I think it's wrapping up, so I'll be back in New York pretty soon. So share with us about honesty. What did you think? Now, you've been around for a long time, Sean. 
Yeah, I've been sober a little over 23 years, uh, but I've been in the program longer. And, you know, I, I struggled. Well, I didn't even really struggle. I just wasn't honest. You know, I wasn't honest with myself that I had as bad a problem as everybody else. You know, and I thought I could still drink and use it sporadically and it wasn't going to it wasn't going to do much harm. And going to meetings, I couldn't be honest. And that's something that I share. I would take 30-day chips and say, oh, yeah, I've been, you know, cleaning stuff for 30 days. And I'd gotten high the day before, mm. you know, and I, so I couldn't be honest with myself and I definitely couldn't be honest with other people, you know, and, and, and the big book talks about it in chapter five. It says, you know, people who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves, you know, so I've got to, I've got to tell the truth to myself and be honest with myself before I can be honest with other people. If, if this is really going to work for me. Do you think some people use that as a loophole? I may be the constitutionally incapable, you know, because we all think we're the unique one. We're the terminally unique one, we always say. Yeah, I don't I don't know if uh, if I've ever heard anybody say that, that that they're incapable of being honest, because I think, you know, again, the big book says who wants to admit that we're bodily and mentally different than our fellows? You know, so they're going to want to say, oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I can be honest with myself or, you know, they they're not being honest. But I don't I don't think I've ever heard anybody try to use that as a loophole. You know, maybe they think, oh, no, 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 I'm I'm a strong willed person. I can do this. Or, you know, no, I'm not like you. I don't need to work steps or I'm not like you. I don't need to go to meetings. I can handle this myself. So they are lying to themselves, but I don't think I've ever heard anybody try to use it as a loophole. Because I've seen people do that, and it's kind of like almost maintaining that victim mentality. Like, oh, I just can't get this. Oh, it'll never work for me. Oh, poor me. Pour me another drink. (laughs) That kind of thing. So when you were lying about using and then going and picking up a, a chip the next day and thinking that you could maybe used successfully or you weren't as bad as anyone else? Was that just still the insanity of you haven't realized that that's not going to work for you? Yeah. Uh, My plan was that at some point I was going to come clean and uh, I I was going to use, go out and then come back and not tell anybody until I'd gotten 30 days. I wasn't going to come back and count days. Oh, everyone will love me more. Everyone will think, oh, what a great guy. He came back and he finally got honest with us. And, you know, but I wasn't going to tell anybody that for three and a half years I was lying. It was me still caught in that, caught in that delusion. And, you know, doing some inventories, I've learned that lying was probably one of my first drug when I was a little boy. I wanted to fit in so badly, I would lie about all sorts of things that, you know, things that were unnecessary. I'd make up where I lived or, you know, make up what my parents did or make things up just so that people would like me more. And I always had friends, you know, nobody, I don't have any friends because of the lies I told. I just wanted to be, you know, grandiose and, and, and build myself up even more. So you think it really came down to ego that you wanted to be something more yes. than what you felt that you were? Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 100%. Yes. How does the ego teach us to lie? Why is the ego trying to fight so hard to be something more than what we are? Because, again, we're, you know, we're concerned with what other people think. You know, and, and the longer I've stayed sober, I understand that if I know that I'm doing the right thing, I know I'm living a spiritual life, uh, other people's uh, opinion of me is none of my business. And that's, you know, letting go of the ego. And that's, again, what I've learned. But when we're new... You know, we are so concerned. And when we're out there, we're definitely concerned with what other people think of us. 
How important do you think it was to come clean with the group about you had been lying? In other words, did you have to tell on the ego so that the ego in this area would get that humility so that when you were trying to lie about other things that you weren't able to do that? Because I've seen ego kill people. Yeah. In my case, it didn't have to come up that way because the the last time that I got loaded, uh, I had been sober for eight months and got loaded. And my plan was, you know, I was living in sober living. My plan was to go out for that night, get loaded, and then in 30 days. So again, my plan was that I was going to tell people in 30 days and I was going to get a pat on the back. But what happened was that one night turned into 26 days nonstop and I got arrested again. Mm. So once I got arrested, it was pretty obvious that I'd been getting loaded. Uh, and I spent two months, two months in jail. So, you know, by that time, anybody who might've thought I was sober over those, well, I, and I was so I was sober over those eight months, but, um, you know, it allowed me to go back and, you know, when I tell my story to talk about those two and a half years prior to that, because I first started going to meetings in uh, late October of 1987. And uh, I went to rehab twice in 1990 and finally got sober for the last time in uh, 1991. So for, you know, about two and a half years, I was, I was lying about how much time I had. See, and I see in that much easier for me, you know, once again, I, I, it was this journey. It's easy now to go back and tell the story. I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't gotten arrested. Exactly. And that's what I'm talking about. The ego could have killed you at that point. You were so concerned with other what other people thought about you and having to carry a certain reputation that you thought was acceptable right. that right. you ended up getting arrested. But what are our consequences, uh, our guarantees, institution, jails and death, right? Jails, so, institutions, death, exactly. Right. So luckily you ended up in jail. Right. Because right. you had two other right. options that were inevitable. Or accept yep. a spiritual path and get sober and start your journey into recovery. Yep. So ego kills. Yep. Yes. Yes, it does. Sean, thank you so much. Hang on with us. We're going to okay. go to Jason. Jason, where are you calling from? I am back in uh, Astoria, Oregon. I'm back home. <laughs> where were you living? I was in the Akron area of Ohio. So I, uh, I recently moved just last week, as a matter of fact. What brought you back to Oregon? Well, the uh, the business that I used to work for here in Oregon moved me back, and uh, yeah, well, that's part of it. Um, also, have gone through a uh, uh, well, I'm not through a divorce yet, but through a split up and soon to be divorce uh, from the woman whom I moved out to Ohio to be with. So, yeah, it's been an interesting year for me. Well, there's some gifts of sobriety. Your job actually moved you back from Ohio out to Oregon. That's incredible. Usually we just get fired. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and this they fired me before. <laughs> so it's, uh, well, it, it's, I've got a long and sordid history with this job. I, I, uh, I did a lot of drinking there and uh, a, a lot less, but a good portion of sobriety there, too. Well, that's so. fantastic. Good for you. Now you're ready to rock it sober, yes? Oh, absolutely. Yep. Good. Jason, share on some honesty with us. Um, how did you start becoming honest with others? Start there. Well, I'll tell you, you know, just like anything else in my life, 
it, it took a lot of pain and a lot of desperation to get willing enough to be honest. Um, you know, looking back, I, I think I remember the first time I, I experienced anything like rigorous honesty. Honesty, and it was you know, it's funny that you guys should bring up uh, page fifty in the big book where it it talks about those who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. Um, I, I, it probably was not my first meeting, so it probably wasn't the first time I heard it, but the first time I really heard that. Um, I remember, I, I, I think had I been looking in a mirror, I would have gone three shades of pale. It struck me that that was me. And I wasn't saying that out loud. I was genuinely thinking that. And the reality is, looking back, that's probably the first time I was really capable of being honest. You know, being a, 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 just, just the fact that I was able to recognize that even as a possibility was a form of honesty, self-honesty that I hadn't experienced prior to that. Not, not in my recollection, at least. When you first got sober, did you feel like you had to run around and make an amends even though you were nowhere near that step and just start to get honest with other people? Absolutely. Yeah, especially as I got, really as I, as I got through the, uh, the third through fifth steps, I had that increasing urge. And fortunately, I had a sponsor who who warned me of that and, and told me, you know, before you go and make amends, talk to me about it. And, and I, I was willing enough that I did that and uh, probably saved myself and others a lot of pain and, and embarrassment for uh, by doing that that way and, you know, keeping the steps in the order they're in. Yes, because I believe they're in the order for a reason, because I think at uh, three through five, I think you were saying, uh, we still want that relief. We're so still so wrapped up in self and selfishness that we want that relief and we'll just throw up everything on anybody just to get it off of our chest and be so overly honest with somebody. And we don't know yet what the second part of the ninth step is, which is that we don't get to do that if we're going to harm others. Right. Absolutely. There's a distinct difference between rigorous honesty and brutal honesty. And, uh, you know, it's a fine line sometimes. And I, I think it's, I know for me, that it's critically important that I be rigorously, not brutally honest with others. You know, the the difference being that with brutal honesty, I, it, there's a total disregard for the well-being of the person I'm talking to, and um, living that lifestyle, treating others that way, is is not not an option for me if I want to stay sober. Period. And uh, you know, my favorite form of dishonesty is is still dishonesty by omission. Um, just because it seems a little less dishonest than, than a blatant <laughs> lie. So, um, you know, for recognize that today and I, and I, you know, when I, when I realize I'm leaving something out, uh, I'm going to throw it out there. So do you think that um, the lies of omission and just the regular lies that we tell, do you think it has a lot to do with selfishness? Okay, we lost Jason. We're going to go to Mark. Mark is in Florida. Hey, Mark, welcome to Sober in the City. Hey, you hear us sharing about honesty. What would you like to share? Well, you know, to under, for me to understand honesty, I had to realize the roots of my dishonesty. Uh, when, when I grew up, I was in, in a, an abusive uh, household. And, you know, it was one of the first things uh, that I was taught to survive. And, and I, my, my mom brought it to my attention that if I was dishonest with my dad, I wouldn't be beaten you know, uh, that I wouldn't get in trouble. And so right from day one, it was something that I latched onto. And, you know, the, the insidiousness of it built over a period of time where, uh, you know, as other gentlemen had mentioned, you know, that I began to lie to boost my self-esteem. And finally, along the lines, uh, you know, it, it, it fostered my addiction, you know, uh, dishonesty, 
and my choice to use uh, were hand in hand. And it began to come out in my actions. You know, I would do anything to get one more. And a lot of the times, you know, I would steal from others uh, or I would lie just to be able to get a little bit more. Isn't that incredible, the, the lengths that we would go through to just get one more? Like, we ever thought one more was going to be enough? <laughs> well, I, I know that it never worked for me. I don't know about for anybody else. <laughs> Not for me. No way. So I was uh, trying to ask Jason if he thought that um, these lies of omission and the lies that we just outright tell other people, do you think it has to do with selfishness? I, well, I think that uh, that ever, about everything that I do has to do with selfishness. You know, what's in it for me? You know, uh, it, it seemed as though any time that, uh, that I wanted something, uh, I would put my needs above others. I would put my wants above others with very little regard for uh, what was not only right for them, but for what that they might have needed or, or what they may have wanted. So, uh, yes, I, I do believe that for at least for a while that selfishness was a part of it. Today, I'm not quite sure, uh, because what I can say is that honesty takes practice. And, you know, uh, even at this point in time, you know, I find myself uh, having to, to rewind and having to say to others, you know, what I just said wasn't exactly right. Here, let me try again. And, uh, you know, it, it comes, uh, my dishonesty still comes out in the strangest of ways, you know, uh, when it would be very easy for me to tell things the way that they are. You know, I find myself telling the little white lies or uh, exaggerating or just uh, as uh, Jason had mentioned, uh, using a lie by an act of omission. Why is it that you think that you're doing it? I mean, you're sober now, so you're not trying to get one more. No, you know, I I, I wish that I I had the answer. Uh, I think that, again, it's a habit that was very deeply ingrained in me. Um, And, you know, one thing that I I, I do try to keep in mind today is that the first step has a spiritual principle behind it, and that is honesty. So in just about everything that I do today, you know, I try to be uh, completely honest. Uh, Sometimes that's very easy and it seems very natural, and other times it's very foreign to me. And, uh, you know, it, it, it really takes work. It takes being mindful of what I say. And then when I do make a mistake, when I do slip up, going back and trying to make things right as quickly as I can. Sean, what do you think about that? Do you think it has to do with selfishness? Or or do you still find yourself uh, like having to rewind like Mark was talking about? I don't. Usually at this point in in, in my life, I uh, tend to share a little too much. Sometimes I'm I'm a little too honest. Uh, I don't usually have to, you know, back up and say, oh, that's not really true. Um, every so often, but, but I'm usually, I, I need to pull back a little bit. Like, I don't necessarily need to tell you everything that's on my mind. You know, I'll, I'll be honest, I'll answer the question. But, um, you know, if somebody says, oh, how does, you know, how do I look in this? <laughs> you know, well, I'm not going to say, well, you look fat. You know, I might just say, oh, well, yeah, do you like it? You know, turn it back to them. And so if they're happy with it, if they, if they think they look well and they, and they don't look absolutely terrible and going to make it, you know, going to embarrass themselves, you know, if they're happy, that's fine. So, you know, how, how, how does this taste? Oh, this is interesting. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to say, well, <laughs> it's terrible. I mean, you know, so again, I, I'm pretty honest uh, from the first thing that's out of my mouth. Um, and sometimes 
you know, just not, I don't give the whole, I don't tell them exactly what I'm thinking. Why do you think that you're sharing and giving too much information? Do you think there's still a need to explain yourself? It, it, it could be because I used to lie so much, you know. Uh, my mom said that my mom had a gap in her, her two front teeth and she was told when she was a little girl that people with gap teeth told lies. <laughs> so she would, she grew up telling the absolute truth because she was so afraid people were going to think she was lying. And, and I know me, and it, it's funny, I was talking to a friend the other day who, um, is in her first year or she's about probably about 18 months sober. And uh, she wasn't able to make an event or something like that. And, and she was saying that, you know, she went in this long story about, you know, this happened and that happened and this happened. And I was like, hey, you couldn't make it. That's fine. You know, you don't have to explain yourself. She goes, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, I'm, I'm not because she's so used to the to the lies and the excuses of, you know, why you weren't there. Oh, you know, I got a flat tire on the road with clothes and there was this dog and then there was a cat. And, <laughs> and then I did this for the homeless man. And you know, when really they were getting, you know, when they were getting high, right. you know, and now I said, Hey, you know, you didn't make it, you know, you got caught up, you were, you were doing work. And she's like, Oh yeah, you're right. I don't have to give a, a big explanation anymore. So again, at, you know, at 23 years sober, if I tell you that the reason I wasn't there was because of traffic, that's probably the reason, you know, and, and people believe me. I don't need to go. I don't need to convince them anymore. But see, I'm even harder on myself. I know there's going to be traffic in the morning if I have to make a commute. So I have to leave extra early. If it's raining, I have to leave extra early because I'm so hard on myself. It's like I can't even use the excuse. Oh, there was traffic. Oh, I got a bomb well, in Florida. I got a bridge. You know, I know bridges go up. I know on rainy days, the traffic's slower. I know traffic's heavy in the morning. You see where the depths of the honesty go? I can't just live even right, on that superficial. Right, right. And it's hard. It's hard to be me. <laughs> I'm but really hard on myself. Sometimes if you leave, if it takes you 15 minutes to get there and you're leaving 20 to 25 minutes early, just right. so, you know, you have time to get there, you know, you have time to, to get lost and there's, you're still late because yes. of extra traffic. Right. Cut yourself a break. Then yeah. You, then, you, then I, then I you do. You left in plenty of time. Yeah. You left in plenty of time to get there. Yeah. You travel this road dozens or hundreds of times. It always takes between 17 and 19 minutes to get there. And for whatever reason today, it took 26 minutes. Right. <laughs> no, I do. I am able to take it easy on that because um, it was back when I was still in my addiction. I was too drunk and messed up to get to the uh, Miami office to get my, my passport in a day. I used to be able to get a, a passport in a day. And I missed my flight TWA 800 that blew up. So <laughs> pretty much I'm okay with uh, today. Like if I get stuck at a railroad crossing and I'm going to be late because of that or something, but I always pick up the phone. But I do. I leave that the, those extra few minutes in case for those in cases, but I am kind of hard on myself about that stuff. And I don't know. I'm, I don't, I don't know. I think I'm okay. <laughs> what do you think of me? No. <laughs> I think that's the way it goes. Um, I want to ask Mark, Mark, are you that hard on yourself? Are you, are you as hard on yourself as, as I'm saying that I am? I, you know, I definitely am. And it uh, doesn't just relate uh, to honesty. It relates to just about everything else. You know, I, I certainly find that uh, I don't need any help from anyone else taking my inventory because <laughs> I'm very tough on myself. 
Yeah. And I was thinking about when you were sharing, Sean, that like in early recovery, like if I walked in somebody's house and their purse was right there in front of me and like a wallet or something, even though I didn't steal people's walk in people's houses and steal their money out of their wallets, I would get really uncomfortable because God forbid they thought something was missing later. And mm-hmm. the girl that used to smoke crack had just uh, been at their house, you know, who was sober six months or something, you know, and then that they were going to suspect that perhaps I could have done something. Have either of you guys experienced that? Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, you, you, this, you know, you're, you left your door open, you left uh, or your purse is out here. Again, you just want to make sure. You know, check it now because, you know, the former crack smoker, because I would have taken it, you know, I would have taken it and helped you look for it. <laughs> How did they say the difference between the cokeheads and the crackheads? The cokeheads would steal your money and then the crackheads would help you look for it. Is that the way they say that? Well, I thought I thought that's the difference between the alcoholic and the drug addict. Okay. <laughs> the alcoholic will steal your money. The drug addict will steal it and then help you look for it. <laughs> Mark, can you relate to that? You know, I sure can, and I, I can really relate to what you said. You know, I, I had uh, several years in recovery, and for me, you know, the lies began with myself, where I swore that I would only uh, just do one, and it would only be for tonight, and it turned into a five-month run for me. And coming back, you know, I was completely broken. You know, uh, I realized that not only uh, did I have a difficult time being honest with myself, but that I had let a lot of people down and that I had said and done things that I, I didn't really mean. And, uh, you know, it was very, very tough, uh, just like you had mentioned, to be at, at different events and to go in people's homes and uh, again to start working and to realize, you know, uh, that it was very easy for me to make the same choice that I'd made in the past again. Mark, Sean, and Jason, thank you so much for being with us at Sober in the City. And when we come back, how did you start to become honest with others, with yourself? How does blatant honesty hurt others? And how can you be honest in all your affairs? We'll answer that and more. 800 Sober 5 Sober in the City will be right back. And just because getting sober seems too hard doesn't mean that you're not worth it. We'll be right back. Suffering addict or alcoholic? Is someone you know struggling with this disease? Let the Freedom from Addiction Foundation assist you with our acclaimed intervention and recovery coaching services. For a very affordable fee, we can set up and perform on-site interventions, ongoing treatment supervision, and personalized recovery and life coaching services. We are local, we are a nonprofit group, and we can work within your financial parameters by accepting most major credit cards and working with or without your insurance. Call today, 1-877-876-876. 
Again, that's 1-877-876-2329. Are you a suffering addict or alcoholic? Is someone you know struggling with this disease? Recovery starts with one phone call. Call the Freedom From Addiction Foundation today. 877-876-2329. At Believe Treatment Center, we understand. We understand you are struggling. That's why our treatment nourishes mind, body, and spirit. We understand that recovery works differently for everyone. That's why we design individual treatment programs specifically for you. At Believe Treatment Center, we understand that it's not easy. That's why we offer a comprehensive scope of services including nutrition, massage, chiropractic, and aftercare for you and even for your family. Believe Treatment Center is a 12-step friendly, state-of-the-art facility located in gorgeous Palm Beach County, Florida. We are experts in all types of addiction and recovery, and we are proud sponsors of Sober in the City. To find out more about our program and how your insurance may cover your treatment, call us today at 1-855-874-2354. That's 855-874-2354. 1-855-874-2354 or visit BelieveTreatmentCenter.com. Believe Treatment Center. We understand. Young people everywhere are making a difference. Special Olympics has changed my life so dramatically. It's helped me a lot to be fearless, you know, in the real world. My friends I've made through Special Olympics are the best people I've ever met in my life. I truly realize that what I'm doing is for a great cause. And it's not about disabilities, but it's about celebrating their abilities. I've made a difference. Now it's your turn to make a difference. Get involved at specialolympics.org. For the thousands of wounded warriors returning from battle, Wounded Warrior Project has developed the Warriors to Work program, a unique program that helps wounded warriors translate their military experience to the civilian workplace. Contact Wounded Warrior Project at findwwp.org. 